Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're considering what some of the longer-term implications of the war in Ukraine might be in terms of investment strategy. The conflict has undoubtedly accelerated a number of trends fueled by the pandemic and put international relationships and global dependencies under scrutiny. The conflict promises to reshape with whom and how business is done as international relationships and alliances are reassessed. As our panel from UBS is going to explain to us in today's programme, there are three key trends in this changed world which warrant our closer attention right now. They're the so-called three Ds of deglobalization, decarbonisation and defence. We start with our friend Dean Turner, economist with UBS Global Wealth Management, right here in London. Dean Turner, always uh, terrific to speak with you. And often we pick up on these sorts of longer term themes that inform the conversation and should inform good decision making around investors' portfolios. And I think if we look at the Ukraine conflict, it's obviously had a huge impact on so in so many different ways, politically, economically. It's changed the way people look at the interaction, engagement between nations, between stakeholders in business and all the rest. And in order to make sense of all of that volatility and change, I know that you and your colleagues have sort of zeroed in on some particular trends that are likely to be things that are important in the, the change world that we're moving into as a consequence. Maybe you could talk us through them and explain why you've structured your thoughts in this way. Yeah, sure. So the war in Ukraine undoubtedly has shaken the world. And, you know, from an economic perspective, the things that we think about is that some of the trends that were already fueled by the pandemic will actually be accelerated by this war. Furthermore, you know, it's going to put further strain on international relations and, you know, global dependencies and supply chains are going to come under scrutiny. And, you know, to, to sum these, these themes up, we think about these under, under the heading of the three Ds, three Ds of deglobalization, decarbonization and defense. Now, you know, starting with the first one, deglobalization. Now, this is a trend that's already been in evidence for a number of years. You know, in fact, globalization, if, if we measure it by global trade as a share of global GDP, actually it's about a decade ago. So, you know, this isn't a new phenomenon. But one of the things that we think that's, uh, that's going to be a result of the Ukraine war is there's going to be an increased focus uh, for businesses and for governments on supply chain security. This was initially highlighted during the pandemic, but clearly what we've seen with the war in Ukraine has led many more to question supply chain security. And, you know, it's not just outside of the West. You know, the West has been very fast to respond with uh, sanctions on Russia, and that's lead many to think about their exposure and potential impact on sanctions. Could they fall foul of them in, in, in the future? Uh, the second idea, you know, decarbonisation. You know, this is very much a huge theme for the, for the globe and has been for a number of years, you know, the 2050 uh, net zero goal that, uh, that everyone was targeting. In our view, what, what we're seeing as a result of the war in Ukraine is that, especially in Europe, this push for decarbonisation is going, is, is going to be accelerated. And part of the reason for that is that Europe has a clear desire now to reduce its dependence on Russian hydrocarbons. 
you know, their, their hopes that um, it can completely stop the use of oil from uh, uh, from Russia within within a period of six months. And beyond that, you know, gas supplies, which is going to be a much bigger challenge, especially when you look at countries like Germany, where over half of their gas supplies come from Russia. But in our mind, that, that speaks to much more investment in green technologies and renewable technologies. And that's all going to be accelerating the trend of uh, decarbonisation. And the final point, defence. You know, I mean, it's obviously always easy to think about in a war, but, you know, defence spending is really likely to see a, a step change in, in the coming years. There's always been some question around um, how much uh, Europe has um, been um, uh, committing to defence spending, but certainly the moves we've seen in the past uh, in recent months suggests that we're in for a, a, a higher level of defence spending across the board. And, you know, that's going to, that's not just focused, you know, on, on the greater focus on security more, more generally, but also defence around things such as cyber defence, food security, and kind of linked to what I mentioned earlier with the decarbonisation thing, energy security as well. So, you know, this kind of peace dividend that the world has, has, has enjoyed since the end of the Cold War is something that uh, is probably, you know, come to an end now. Yeah, I mean, Dean, it's, that's absolutely fascinating. And we'll take a bit of a deeper dive into defence, the third of those three Ds, in, in a moment. But just to pick up on a couple of sort of points that relate to deglobalisation and to decarbonisation. On the first, mm-hmm. it's interesting to reflect. It's funny, you mentioned the end of the Cold War. If we go back to, you know, 89, 90, 1991, I know from reading mm-hmm. the report that you're a co-author of, there's a suggestion that, the, to be blunt, the implications of, in economic terms, in investment terms, of what we're seeing at the moment could be as great as those that resulted from that thawing of the Cold War, what, 30-odd years ago. Is that because what's happening in and around Ukraine is serving to accelerate these existing trends? Is that one of the reasons why that's the case? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things you've got to bear in mind is that, uh, you know, greater focus on, on supply chain security and decarbonisation was already baked in. But, you know, what we've seen with, with the outbreak of war in Ukraine is that it's, it, it's renewed the focus, especially on, on, on the European continent. And that's going to lead to a lot of investment in the coming years. You know, Europe has to uh, redraw its energy supplies. It has to rethink its energy security. But beyond that, companies and uh, also have to rethink their supply chain security. So in our mind, that, that leads to a period of much greater onshoring of, uh, of production onshoring of production will require investment but another thing to bear in mind with that is that you know, if western companies are going to remain competitive they're going to have to produce at competitive rates and the only way they can do that is to invest heavily in automation and robotics as well so you know that's going to be a huge investment boom that we're expecting to see over the coming decade and I guess it underscores another theme that we've discussed frequently, Dean, which is the relevance of ESG themes. I guess mm-hmm. all of these uh, different factors, again, underscore, the. it only makes it more relevant to talk about ESG, I guess, is what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, ESG has, has been growing in relevance and it's going to continue to do so. If we think about the ESG, the environmental, social, and governance, these are all um, these are all areas that are going to um, become a much greater focus for investors as we go through, through the next years. 
Dean, let me ask you a couple of questions about then decarbonisation. You've already given us the mm-hmm. overview. If we're in this sort of new Cold War or whatever we might call it, there's obviously going to be, as you've already outlined, big changes and challenges for world energy markets in broad terms. Is it mm-hmm. about, if we look at it from portfolio building point of view, from an investment viewpoint, especially in the longer term, about ways in which investors can pursue projects that are relevant in this space. I don't know whether that's about, you know, sustainable bonds. Is it about clean energy? I guess it's about being slightly more kind of open-minded about what the specific solutions actually look like. I think, yeah, I think this has, that's a very good point. There's going to have to be a very open-minded approach in terms to uh, what, what the future is, looks like. You know, the future, you know, it, it is certainly isn't predetermined. As we go through this journey over the next few years, there's going to be a lot of focus on new forms of uh, energy production. But the flip side of that as well, which I also think we shouldn't lose sight of, is the fact that we've just got to become a, a lot more efficient in the way we use energy. And that's also going to lead to a lot of investment and a lot of investment opportunities in energy efficiency, you know, uh, insulating homes, insulating offices, um, the way we work. You know, interestingly, the kind of hybrid working model that seems to be evolving from the pandemic is actually an economically and environmentally efficient way of of still producing. And, yeah, you're absolutely right um, in in terms of there's there's got to be an open-minded approach to this. But, you know, one of the things we shouldn't lose sight on as investors is that there's capital that's going to be needed to fund this transition and fund this investment. And governments can't do this alone. The governments are likely to create that attractive investment environment, which can be rewarding for investors over the longer term. Yeah, Dina, one thing that strikes me, obviously, here in the UK and pretty much anywhere, the big headline in the short term, well, or the headlines are still dominated about inflation, aren't they? Of course, all the front pages here in the UK, Mm -hmm. 40-year highs. It strikes me that actually... If you plan for the longer term and we look at things like this sort of energy sector or, you know, look at commodities. In fact, if you're planning for the long term, there can be a corollary short term benefit because it's an asset class that offers a pretty good hedge, right, against the risks of inflation. If you're looking at commodities as well, presumably as stocks and bonds that are coming from energy and commodity producers, that's quite a good tactical investment opportunity in the short term as well, even though we're mainly talking about the longer term. Absolutely. I mean, as we go through any investment cycle, there's going to be ups and downs, peaks and troughs. And, you know, as I said earlier, the future's always un- uncertain. But, um, you know, one of the things we should always be doing in a portfolio is looking how to hedge some of the downside risks. And clearly, in the short term, the downside risks are linked to things such as inflation and, you know, supply chain disruptions and the fallout from the war in Ukraine. And absolutely right that, you know, it's it's energy at the moment that, uh, that can provide the best hedge against that. Dean Turner. Well, let's take a bit of a deeper dive into defence now with Alexander Steeler, equity analyst in the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO. Alex Steeler, good to speak with you once again. Alex... We're talking a little bit about longer term investment themes. And I wanted to ask you before we get into some more detail, why having a clear focus on longer term themes is so important today? Yes, I mean, we see three reasons. Longer term themes are extremely relevant today. I mean, looking at the latest global events, whether it's the Russia-Ukraine war, the pandemic or the push towards decarbonization, we can see how each of this basically transforms the long-term economic and financial market landscapes and will have key consequences for investors. 
Also, these themes allow us to look back and beyond the short-term noise, which is always a helpful exercise and is particularly useful in the current environment where markets are being driven by unprecedented and rarely seen events. Thirdly, they are cheaper to enter than before. I mean, by definition, these themes are designed for longer term. And this year's sell-off that we've seen in particular in growth-oriented stocks, which are by nature often represented in many longer-term themes, have opened basically an opportunity for investors with a long-term investment horizon to start build-up positions. Yeah, and I guess, Alex, for a bit more sort of context here, maybe you can give us a bit of a reminder of some of the main secular longer-term themes in which UBS is most interested anyway. I mean, we all know investing with a view to the long term is always a challenging task. Therefore, our framework to identify themes contains a few simple but highly predictable drivers that will show you the pain points across industries and where those pain points may foster new innovations and create investment opportunities across business cycles. The first driver is aging. In less than a decade, the number of people in developed economies aged over 60 will be greater than the number of those under the age of 25. The effects of an aging society will create investment opportunities, in particular, for example, in the healthcare market. The second pillar in our framework is urbanization in emerging markets. Urbanization is an important driver for infrastructure investments. Now let's add population growth to an aging population. The world population is expected to reach almost 10 billion by 2050. The result is that the growing population will place an increased demand on the agricultural sector and on energy demand, just to mention two examples, creating opportunities there. Yeah, now let's talk a little bit about this era of security. I think it's a really interesting label and we can understand some of the things that have sort of prompted us to enter this this era. But maybe you can explain what exactly we mean when we use that phrase, Alex, and maybe then talk us through uh, some of the sectors that it affects most specifically, whether that's energy, food or others. Yes. I mean, from the costs of heating homes to the price of filling up uh, gas tanks and buying basic food stuff, the impact of the war in Ukraine has been swift and far-reaching. I mean, the war has prompted a sea change in Western attitudes towards purchasing Russian energy. We see opportunities there for areas like clean air and carbon reduction technologies, energy efficiencies, and renewables. It is a similar picture with food. So fears of future disruptions are likely to continue to drive deglobalization and to incentivize investments in more localized production, including improvements in agriculture yield, food waste reduction, and supply chain efficiency. There's also an increased focus on food security and related innovations. These are all elements and key building blocks in our food revolution themes, which focuses on technology along the value chain. Last but least, cybersecurity, which is, of course, also an important topic in the area of security. In our security and safety theme, we discuss, among others, the opportunity in this investment theme. And the size of the global cybersecurity market was close to 145 billion US dollar in 2020. We expect the industry to reach an addressable market of around 235 billion US dollar by 2025. Alexander Steeler. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or catch up 
via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.